Hello and welcome to the Ghosts and Folklore podcast. I'm Mark Rees, and on each episode, I investigate a different, weird, and wonderful subject. And on this episode, we are going to look at not one, not two, not even three, but many, many cases of a phantom coach. A phantom coach being pulled by phantom horses and being driven by a phantom driver, all of which was seen centuries apart. Some of these are modern-day sightings, some of them are Victorian sightings, some of them go even further back again, but they are all connected by one road, by one single haunted road in the north of Wales. And if that wasn't enough, phantom ladies have also been seen at the side of the road waiting, we assume, to jump on board this phantom coach. Now, these stories come courtesy of fellow journalist Jane Pew, who you might remember me talking about a month or so ago on this podcast when we looked at her story about witchcraft by the sea in the Vale of Glamorgan. These stories, however, take place at the other end of Wales. We are heading north, we are heading to the Gogleth, and we are going more specifically to Flincher. And while these stories are dispersed around the general area, we are focusing on a particular road that runs by the town of Mould. And there are some villages and areas around there that seem to have more than their fair share of sightings of this phantom coach as it makes its way from wherever it starts from to wherever it goes, whatever hellish destination it is heading to from point A to point B, there are some places in this part of Flincher that seem to get more than their fair share of sightings. Or if you want to be more specific, Jane tells us this phantom coach would start its journey on the main A5104 road, which runs up from the Wrexham road into North Wales, and the coach would drive past the gate of Frith Farm, then over Llandegler Crossroads. And she points out quite a strange coincidence about this, because that route goes straight past the house, the former house, of one of Wales's most famous exorcists. Yes, exorcists along the route. And even though this phantom coach was going back and forth all the time by the sounds of it, this Victorian exorcist never mentioned it ever. Now, his name was the Reverend Griffiths. He lived near the Llandegla Moors, near Mould in what was Cloyd at the time. And he did investigate lots and lots of famous cases. And I think he is definitely going to crop up again on this podcast, if not several times. So remember the name. This is his first appearance, as it were, on this podcast, even though he doesn't do much in this episode besides not noticing a phantom coach. But Jane does list some of his famous cases, and I think the names alone are enough to to, to whet your appetite, because he was a specialist in busting Poltergeists. So he would have been very handy back on episode 37 when we spoke about those pesky 
poltergeists that even the clergyman could not get rid of. I am sure Reverend Griffiths would have sorted them out, but or evil spirits as they were referred to. And he dispatched what were called the Llandegla Rectory poltergeist and the T. Maur poltergeist and the Bryn Eglos poltergeist and the evil spirits of Frith Farm in Trithin, where that phantom coach would speed by. And more than that, we know his technique for getting rid of these evil spirits. And it wasn't it wasn't like watching the film The Exorcist when they're in there screaming and shouting and waving crosses about, but rather he used to conjure the evil spirits in the forms of beetles or black flies. And when they were in this small shape, he could then trap them in bottles and boxes, which he could weigh them down with lead and drop them into various sections of the river Allen. So no doubt if somebody were to go rummaging around at the bottom of the river nowadays, you could find a heck of a lot of quite dangerous evil spirits that this Reverend Griffiths captured and placed there safely out of reach, or so he thought, until... Well, until you go looking for them, I guess. But that is where his ghosts are trapped, and that's how he did it. But, as mentioned, he plays no real part in this story, other than the fact that he was asleep in his bed while all the action was going on out on the main road. And on that note, let us begin with the stories. And the first one takes place many, many years ago, we are told, back through the mists of time. And this concerns a man called Robert Ab Evan, and by all accounts, he had an extrasensory perception. He had some strange psychic ability, but he was totally unaware that he possessed the power. Maybe by the end of this story, he was a little bit more aware of what abilities he had. Now, he was riding along late at night towards his home. He lived near Llanamon. And he could see in the darkness, just ahead of him, as he was riding home, what appeared to be a coach. A coach travelling very slowly. Now, the only light back then was the light of the moon. Perfect gothic illumination. And that moonlight allowed him to see inside the coach, where there, there appeared to be the outline of a man, kind of half laying down inside. Now, that in and of itself isn't particularly strange. I mean, it's, it's perfectly normal late at night. You'd expect them to be lying down, catching 40 winks maybe. It's been a long old journey. But where it did get a little bit weird is when the coach approached the inn. And it was an inn that Ab Ivan knew quite well. Very well, in fact. It was his local. It's where he went drinking with all his friends, not far from his house. And when this coach turned as if to drive into the inn, he decided to speed up a little bit because he'd been going quite slowly behind it to overtake and have a closer look at who exactly had been inside that coach. So the coach turned into the inn, he overtook, turned his head, and there was no coach. It, it had seemingly vanished, vanished without a trace. Now, it could have been the quickest example of putting a coach away for the night ever seen. In the history of putting coaches away, a bit like Ferrari Formula One pit team rushing out, or may maybe I, I, th I think Red Bull were fastest last year, but it's like a Formula One pit team rushing out, 
taking off the horses, putting them away, putting the coach away, getting the people inside. Two seconds, three seconds flat, done. Now that could have happened, or maybe this coach magically disappeared. He had no idea. He carried on on his journey. He had admittedly had a few drinks himself that night in a in a different establishment we are assuming but you know he wasn't entirely sober it happened it was late it was dark he went home to bed now the next day he was back drinking in his local as usual and he said to the landlord and and i quote from jane you had that coach and horses stabled quickly landlord to which the owner assured him that no coach had called there so Robert decided to forget about the whole thing. Well, for a week he did at least anyway, because seven days later, seven days exactly to the day from when he had seen that coach, he was once more drinking his ale at the inn when he heard the sound of a coach pulling up hastily. The coachman rushed into the room saying, and again I quote, Please help me. My master has suddenly been taken ill. And this time, the landlord most definitely saw a coach arrive. He could not claim to have not seen it this time because he was spurred into action and he and a few of the regulars went out to carry the sick man in. Now, the sick man is described as looking pale and ill and seemed to be hardly breathing. It was in this state that they, they, they tried to make him comfortable. The landlord's wife was there as well. She laid out blankets. They laid him down. And the coachman, who, who was still freaking out a bit after what had happened with his master, he was given a good stiff drink. And Robert himself rushed off to find the local doctor. But sadly, that was all in vain. By the time he returned with the doctor, the traveller was dead. And that concludes the facts of the first case that Jane gives us. And the implication, while she doesn't say this in, in so many words, but the implication is that this man, without realising a week earlier, had a vision, some kind of premonition of what was due to happen, what was going to happen in a week's time. He, he saw the future for all intents and purposes. I mean, sadly, it, it did no good. I mean, the, the traveller who he saw lying a week before in the carriage, was brought into the inn and sadly died. Now, that story in and of itself, yes, it's a little bit weird, but it's not. It's, it's hardly the best ghost story in the world. I think the real power of these stories is the accumulative effect, because while this is the oldest example we have, the cases continued throughout the 19th century, all through the Victorian times when the exorcist Reverend Griffiths was sleeping in his bed as it flew by. And the cases continued into the 20th century. And before we get up to the modern day, we have an account from the Second World War. At the start of the Second World War, which I assume is 1939, a Trithin man claimed he had seen the coach going ahead of him. So it wasn't just men on horseback who were stuck behind this coach. This man in the late 1930s also was stuck behind this coach and it was full of a strange light and the coachman and an outrider appeared to be headless. So now we've got an even better look at the driver and the passenger. This time they have no heads and this is a much more recent account than our first one. 
And we we also get more details because it is being drawn by four coal black horses and they glide noiselessly along and he trailed it until it turned right for Flanamon, then vanished. The same place where that inn in our first story was also located. Now, as I mentioned, each of these stories individually are not that impressive, but we've got this story now of this phantom carriage which was first seen centuries ago by a man who who may or may not have had some kind of psychic powers and then centuries later it's still being spotted throughout the victorian period it's still being spotted into the 20th century and that brings us to a story from the 1980s when we are told there are still reports about this phantom coach tearing along the A5104. It's the same road again as well. And it's usually seen in the early mornings or around midnight. If you did fancy going to look for it, set the alarm. 12 o'clock is when you want to be on this stretch of road. Now, it was one summer evening in the late 1980s. At dusk, a great time for ghost stories that a young woman from Trithin, which is the village on, on this road, she was returning home on her motor scooter. Very 1980s. I think this is the first, possibly the last ghost story I'll tell involving a main protagonist on a motor scooter. But she turned left off the A5104 up Farther Blyneye. And she headed up, and I'm not familiar with it myself, but the description says that it's it's a hill, but not a particularly steep or challenging hill. But you head up this, this Farther Blyneye before coming back onto the A5104. And there, there's a big, a big clue here, I think, a big giveaway on what to expect. But she comes back onto the A5104 at the so-called haunted crossroads now if it's called the haunted crossroads you, you should have some inclination if you're driving around there after dusk that you might encounter something you'd rather not encounter and this haunted crossroad is believed to be part of an old roman route which would have gone over the moors back in the old days now now it's just a crossroad for for scooters and things but just after she turned off the main road she could see something standing on the side of the road just up ahead of her. And as she got closer, this something, she realised was very much human in form. In fact, it was a lady. She could see a tall woman dressed, we are told, in a long brown dress with a white or cream ruffled collar and cuffs. Now, this tall woman wasn't looking at the woman on the scooter as such. She was looking down the hill as if waiting for somebody else or, or something else. And the young woman, she had no idea who this was. She wondered who could it be dressed in such a strange way. Because remember, this was the 1980s, not the 1800s or even, even earlier, judging, judging by this dress. And it wasn't just the dress that was strange, because as she got closer... The air got colder. In fact, it got icy, freezing cold. And she, she didn't mess around. She didn't hang around to find out more details or to stop and chat. She sped up. She put her foot down. If, if that's what you do with a scooter, I don't know. But she, she certainly she sped off and away from that spot. 
And so unpleasant was the experience. She, she couldn't even even look at this woman. She couldn't even turn her head back and look backwards to see what she was doing. That that was it. She was gone. And she was not the only person to see a strange thing on this road. Another Trithin lady saw a similar figure, but wearing a Welsh hat standing on the same route. And she also had a similar experience to, to the scooter lady, because when she was there, she also felt the air becoming freezing cold, becoming icy cold, even though, again, it was in the summer. And while the last lady couldn't, couldn't bear to look at this apparition, the second one was slightly braver, and she kept her eyes on it until the figure seemed to vanish into thin air. So not one, but two separate witnesses have seen ladies waiting by the side of the road, icy cold ladies waiting by the side of the road, where for centuries people have also seen a phantom horse and carriage riding by. And Jane sums all this up neatly with a final paragraph in her account of these tales, and she suggests that maybe, perhaps, these phantom figures were watching for a ghostly coach. Which is as good a theory as anything I've got, so I'm, I'm happy to go along with that as well. I think Jane is correct. I think these people are waiting. These phantoms are waiting for their phantom coach. Next time I get a chance to head back up that way, I'll be sure to go exploring at the haunted crossroads. Who knows? Maybe, maybe that inn is still there. That would be fantastic. So if anyone listening is familiar with the area and knows if this inn is still standing after all these centuries, if you'd like to join me on a ghost hunt, as always, it's wonderful to hear from people. So if you'd like to send me a message, even if it's just to say hello, I'm quite easy to find online. Just do a search for Mark Reese. That's me, Mark Reese. Put the word author or journalist in or something and you will find my website and you will also find me on social media. I'm very active on Twitter. I've got a Facebook page and I'm also on Instagram. And of course, if and when that does happen, if I do get myself there and we do get to spend midnight waiting for ghosts at the haunted crossroads, I will be sure to do a follow up episode of this podcast all about it. So as usual, if you don't want to miss that episode or any other episodes coming up, please consider hitting the subscribe button and you will never miss an episode ever. And on that note, it just leaves me to say I hope you've enjoyed those eerie tales of phantom coaches and icy ladies. And until next time, I've been Mark Reese. This has been my Ghosts and Folklore podcast. It's the best. It's the beautiful. It is the only ghosts and folklore podcast beaming to you from Wales to the world. Don't accept any cheap imitations. Thank you very much for listening. Dioch and Varian am Grando. Until next time, no star. Mm-hmm.